Hello and welcome to the podcast of The Lotus Eaters, episode 786 for today, the 16th of November, 2023. I am your host, Connor, joined by Cole. Hello. And Nick Tensoni from Turning Point UK. Tenconi. Tenconi. I, I, I thought it was a soft C because it was Italian. It's a, it's a very good, great cover and it was a great effort as well. Well, this is why I failed Latin. So, <laughs> not a joke, by the way. Anyway, so... Thanks very much for joining me, mate. I mean, we, we brave Conservative Party conference together, so it's always nice to have a an ally, you know, a captured institution. In in well, amen. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Right. So we'll be discussing how the politicians know, and the Met Police know, they just don't care about their flagrant hypocrisy. Candace Owens fighting Ben Shapiro. We'll cover that tactfully. I'm I'm certain. And what's wrong with the Zoomers? Because Carl denigrates them constantly, and they're actually all right. I don't know. I don't know if it's denigration if it's just an accurate characterization it's not an accurate characterization. we're, we're going to do some rehabilitation here today before we kick off obviously yeah, harry tried that the other day it's a thursday yeah but it's me uh it's a thursday so that means lads hour at three o'clock we'll be joined by nick and also currently on his way into the studio sebastian gorka surprise guest which is excellent ahead of his oxford union address tonight so look out for that when it comes out as well we'll be discussing whether or not 2024 is our year boys a bit of election predictions of course, Seb knows exactly what he's talking about on those issues. So if you haven't already subscribed to be a premium member, go subscribe. You'll be able to watch that live and add some comments and questions for, for Seb and Nick. But without further ado, let's jump straight into today's stories. Right. So they know. They know that we can see video evidence of them sabotaging the country, treating pro-Hamas protesters with more favorability than your average working class patriot. And they just don't care kind of pointing at hypocrisy is pretty redundant at this point because as Oren McIntyre often says, it's not about hypocrisy, it's about hierarchy. Mm. I'm, I'm referring, of course, to last night's Cenotaph protests. Again, they've been traipsing all over war memorials and the Met Police has decided to go with a bold new strategy of rather than pretending that they're enforcing the law, just gaslighting the public into saying, well, we can't do anything. Yes, there is no law. Oh, that's a good, good take. How did you shut down all of the right-wing protests then? Yes. Under what pretense? I'd much prefer the Judge Dredd strategy of, no, I am the law, in yeah. fact. Yeah. But it's, di it's difficult to intervene when it's peaceful marching, you know. Peaceful marching over the war memorials. Yes. But when, it, when it's so peaceful. Yeah. Mostly peaceful party rocking on the grave of the war dead. Your, 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 hand, your hands are tied when, when it's mainly peaceful by the grievance brigade. Yeah, especially yeah. when oh, you just turn up right as it's already happening. Oh, no, wait, they were already there. Anyway, we'll get into video evidence of that. If you want to see the impetus of why society is being liquidated, you can go over to our website and watch Josh's Contemplation series, where this is the second part of our liberalism debate with the appropriately fire and fury thumbnails. Third part is coming out this Saturday where Carl utterly destroys, <laughs> destroys the liberal dream. I, I had a lot of people asking me, is the third part out this weekend? Is the third part out this weekend? I was like, I don't know. I'm not in charge of the schedule. It's out this so, weekend. So, okay, there we go. Good news. It is. The last 20 <laughs> minutes are probably my favorite bit of content we've done so far. It's pretty good. It's golden. So well <laughs> worth subscribing for that. And the reason I say liberalism is at fault, because I say in the third part, multiculturalism isn't a melting pot. It's a kind of blender because liberalism thinks of itself as the parameters in which all conflicts can be resolved. And so it puts all these cultures in one container, it presses blend, and unfortunately what it doesn't realize is the most dominant ingredient will often leave a bitter aftertaste. And that dominant ingredient here, as the consequence of mass migration, seems to be mental Islamism. I don't think that's an exaggeration when, as soon as there is a parliamentary vote on the ceasefire in Gaza, it brings out few hundred people into the streets to shut down all of Oxford Street. So just before we begin, what was the point 
of a parliamentary vote on a ceasefire in Gaza? So the reason it was introduced was because the SNP wanted to add an amendment to the King's speech that's just gone. Of course, the SNP is led by Hamza Youssef, yeah. who has family in Palestine, His wife's from Palestine yeah. and is a practicing Muslim. Therefore, it's a show of religious and ethnic solidarity. He doesn't like white people, does he? No, no he's he not, not, not a big fan of how white Scotland is. He doesn't like white people. No. But no. they're talking about the same guy, yeah? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't yeah. think these Openly racist. Are, yeah, I, I, I don't think these people are a big fan of the indigenous Brits whose <clears> lives they constantly disrupt either. I think that's more to do with it than the Muslims being killed in Gaza and Palestine because they're not as Douglas Murray has pointed out, they're not protesting for the Yemenis or anyone that Bashar al-Assad's killed. I pointed that. Mo- they mostly don't peaceful. Care. They yes. don't care at all when it's Muslim on Muslim. But as soon as it's someone else on Muslim, suddenly they're out in the street. Well, even al-Assad. Al-Assad's a, uh, allied with Christians in Syria. Yeah, yeah. Nothing? Uh, Russia. Nothing. China, Myanmar, Yemen. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Well, they didn't, they didn't stand up for um, Majid Nawaz when he lost his job at LBC, not nope. long after being the, the spearhead of the, of the Uyghur Muslim protests doing a hunger strike. So it is just a flex. Iranian, Iranian dissidents holding up signs, placards saying Hamas is a terrorist organization, anti-Hamas, and then getting attacked by fellow Muslims. Mm. You absolutely you know, can't say that. You know. no. um, okay, but cool. M- Muslim infighting is totally normal to these people, I think, is what the issue is. Like they, they, they don't consider it to be you know, anything out of the ordinary, shall we say? I, I try not to go too hard on that, but like, it just seems to be a settled issue. Yes. But then the reason this Israel this movement has galvanized so many is because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And it turns out the enemy of all Muslims is just Jews but and a, the native English. It's a perennial enemy yes. in Israel. Well, I, I tell you where I, I came in. So critical thinking lends on. So go, go back to 7th of October. And then I think last night is their 7th. They've done every Saturday and then the 7th. So reporting on the front line, talking to people, understanding. Um, Socialist Worker Party placards everywhere. Yes. Everywhere. The main proponent of radical gender theory, yeah. the main proponent of puberty blockers, pronouns, and the slippery, just pushing the slippery slope as hard as possible in the guise of diversity, inclusion, equality, usual commie stuff. And um, we see here among hundreds of clips now, the Socialist Worker Party placards absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And so is that okay if you are vehemently, as, as this, this particular demographic would be, let's say that 80% are Islamic, for example, I don't know, vehemently against as social conservatives also. Well, if we just do a quick screenshot of what we can actually see on the streets, it's more like 99% Islamic. So a lot of people on the left, as you know, they've said, oh, it's, it's largely white in the marches. Of the 100,000, it's largely white. Uh, people can say stuff without impunity or consequence as a result of free speech. So we'll park that. That's fine. But but is that okay? That's what, that, that, that was my first question originally. Is that okay? So you're, you're holding a banner and a placard which has enormous, uh, enormous significance and importance when you're protesting because you're telling people what you're all about. And it's there branded with far left... Uh, with a far left organization that is 100% behind radical gender theory and the inclusion of homosexuals within society, et cetera, et cetera, and homosexual rights, et cetera. So what's that about? Is that fair? Is that okay? Or is that disingenuous? Well, it's instrumental. So yeah. this is why Marx even remarked that the Muslims are a useful weapon against the Christians because the Christians are the, the biggest thing in the stand, standing in the way of communists. So they, one, with post-colonial theory where their brains have been liquidated, they just say, they're brown, they're not Christian, equals good. 
And so they're a vanguard class for us. And also they see this as an instrument of subversion of the existing order. So they think, okay, these guys want to tip the table. I also want to tip the table. As soon as the table's tipped, we think that our, right. because our ideology is actually the end of history, we'll just win out. So what he said. So so first, first item is that, that that's what I, that's what I saw. And and of course, the second the second item is who's using who, which lends mm. itself to your point. So what's I want to understand what's really going on here. Because what I've seen isn't peaceful. What I've seen is aggressive. I'm not going to say anything else. So it is aggressive, what I've seen, 100%. Oh, yeah. so, so very confrontational, very combative. It doesn't seem peaceful. But of course, if you're calling for a ceasefire, or if you're losing relatives in that part of the world, then you can have empathy. You can have understanding for that. So week after week, come onto the statues and the memorials as a separate item. But I, I, I want to get to the, to the sort of MO of the people who are involved in this, <clears throat> bearing in mind yeah. Myanmar, bearing in mind Yemen, bearing in mind China, bearing in mind all sorts of uh, grievances and uh, victimhood complaints throughout the globe in the context of the last four or five years with this oppressor-oppressed narrative and this victimhood grievance brigade. I want to understand why there is marches, this sort of mobilization, hundreds of thousands of people, enormous amounts of funding, Anyone who can throw money at it, doesn't matter what the placard says, who I'm representing, as long as we're out there doing this, this means the absolute world to us. Well, I think actually it can be summarized really succinctly. Uh, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always revolution, right? That's why the socialist workers are looking at people who will literally hang gays and go, yeah, okay, there are guys because they are, as Connor was saying, a weapon instrumentally against the current regime, the West itself. Well, you also know the disingenuity of the calls for ceasefire and peace because what was this prompted by? It wasn't in response to the Israeli retaliation because they were already out on the streets conducting prayers in front of Downing Street after the October 7th massacre by Hamas. And as you already pointed out, they attack Israelis, uh, sorry, Iranians for saying Hamas is a terrorist organization. So they're not protesting saying free Palestine from Hamas and free the Gaza Strip from the Palestinian Authority because they've instigated this war and they're getting Palestinians killed. They're saying from the river to the sea, as in, yeah, move the Israeli authority out of the way. So, uh, yeah, I, th I think I think statues and memorials, one thing, two-tier policing, one thing, the chanting, the call for Islamic armies to rise, the jihadi stuff, intifada, intifada. So that's all countered. There's always there's always a counter from from the left, if we can call them that. But I want to know if I had um, uh, five or six um, Muslim brothers and sisters here with us now and said that sign you're holding that represents far-left extremism, communism, whatever you want to call it, and they are also proponents of radical gender theory. And look it up that side. What do you think? I want to know what those people would have to say. Would they say we, it doesn't we've, matter? We've got some examples. We've seen it yeah, when Bill yeah. Chris went down yeah. on the street corner and some Antifa kid came up and he said that he's against the LGBTQ community and young Muslim girls started mocking his sexuality because so, he was wearing so male we. So that, that day, so we were, we were defending the Cenotaph and uh, Chris was there. So yes. I made my intros because obviously anyone on the front line, good guy. We've got an interview with him coming out very soon. Fantastic. Solid. Uh, so, solid. So he, 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 that video was great. Mm. And we haven't seen that yet, have we? You've got, you've got uh, I presume that they were Muslims. Mm, you had yeah. three or four girls and uh, you had the Canadian or American masked up, you know, wannabe Disney Channel Antifa going for Chris. Yeah. And then the Muslim girls... Obviously, again, there's a little bit of mob mentality there, which I don't like. And I'm seeing that an awful lot with this demographic, which I don't like. But they put him straight, whoever he was, or he them, or he there, them, Whatever. she. Yeah. And in he walks away. So to my point, right. So I'd like to know these hundreds of thousands of people, the, the placard suggests funding. 
That's an awful lot of money to put all that together. You've seen this at the aerial screenshots, haven't you? Of the hundreds of thousands, literally, of, of batons and, uh, and of the placard attached to the posts and the placards. What do they have to say about that? Is it, well, this is really useful right now and we'll, we'll eat yeah. you up later, actually. So that's quite disingenuous. I'm not okay with that. Or is it, no, actually, we really do stand with you and your radical gender theory and your they, far-left they, extremism? They don't. This is just the immediate thing that's the kind of um, the, the, the wellspring of energy. Right, and so it's Israel, Palestine. Therefore, the Muslims are out in the streets. Therefore, they're just going to glom onto it and do whatever they can because the issue is not the issue. Recruitment yeah. stands, banners, yeah, outposts—you name it. Yeah. They're not attacked. They're not attacked at all. If if I was there in terms of the organization, our representation, no doubt we'd be attacked. Tables flipped. We'd be called fascist. Yep. They're there, not just with the placards moving on, but but the recruitment posts, the leafleting. The, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the observation that they are everywhere. And these people are like, yeah, well, you'll, you'll do for now. Well, yeah, this, is the, this is the important thing. It's an alliance of convenience. And so it's worthwhile, as we have just done, disentangling the intersectional fault line that is here. But ultimately, the people that are benefiting from this and profiting from it, whether it's the NGOs, whether it's the Socialist Workers' Party, whether it's the MPs who have just stepped down from Keir Starmer's front bench, I think it's about 10, mm. including Jess Phillips, because she knows exactly who our voting constituency are, and the various Labour MPs that voted for said ceasefire, they don't care about this fault line. They just overlook it and tell anyone that's pointing it out to disbelieve their lying eyes. And we know that this has infected the Met because this they put a dispersal order out about 10 to 8 last night, still in, in action until 2 a.m. this morning. But they knew this was happening. They didn't clear the protests away. The protest blocked Oxford Street, and then it moved to the Cenotaph, and they thought, oh no, here we go, optically bad again. So they sent their, their best soldiers down. I'm just going to rewind to that bit. I'm going to, I hope it stays muted. Did you hear the chat? The, the main guy, he wasn't, he wasn't wearing one of the coloured caps, but did you hear the chat when he was rallying them saying, you do that and you do this? It was completely, they're completely unprepared. Well, right. speaking of unprepared, just look at the shape of these officers. I mean... Yeah. The high-vis vests, it's not the most inspiring uniform. They look like they're just going to go manage a building site. But also, they're all fat. They're all short. Some of them are women. Some, I assume, are good people. And they're slowly surrounding the cenotaph, anticipating the marchers to come past it. The issue you have is that they don't defend other monuments. This is the protesters climbing over the Royal Artillery Memorial near Hyde Park Corner. Yep. But I think we should also mention what, why... Why did they scramble like that? Going back to the Cenotaph, they knew who was on the streets. They knew what they were there for. The van that drives around London with the, with the missing Israeli children, again, is blocked. Yes. There's huge um, fascist far-left presence. Again, overlooking all of this, they, they know they're en route to the Cenotaph. Why are they scrambling? Why? To spare the protesters from optics, not to spare the cenotaph from desecration. So we've got the banners, uh, not the banners, the, um, the, the barriers that went up a few weeks ago, largely due to Turning Point's presence and, 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 and influencing the police to actually do their job. You know, heaven forbid that they actually do their job. And they've got the barriers. And then, of course, the other day, uh, ahead of uh, Arms Day, they had a, lot, a ring of police, that, that iron ring of police. So they knew where they were. They knew what was going on. Let's address the fact that it was even necessary to have that. Yeah. That we've got to have the metal barriers. We've got to have um, uh, vests everywhere. We've got to have that unbreakable chain of police. We've got to, never mind anything else. Yeah. We've got to have that there because you never know. They might vandalize, desecrate. They might hurt 
they might. Uh, well, that, that's the point, isn't it? Because I mean, if this was say Hindus or Sikhs or Nepalese or whatever marching through the streets, I'm actually not worried about the cenotaph no. under those circumstances. But they seem to be the yes. police and law enforcement and the government seem to be, and I think that needs to be. I think that needs to be discussed. And I think the reason is it goes back to what I was saying when we were talking about the liberalism podcast. They are so insistent on mediating all multicultural tensions that they seem to have denied would ever arise when they inducted mass migration, that now they compel the peaceful, patriotic, native populations and their British diaspora immigrant allies to suppress their culture in case it provokes the volatile new people who will disrespect it. And so they think that if they just appease them enough and increase material conditions enough, all of the cultural tensions will dissipate. And it's painfully naive as we can see, because they're traipsing over the graves of our war dead. Do you mean appeasement doesn't work? It, I can't know. think of a time when it has. D- 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 in this context, you mean appeasement doesn't work? Maybe tell that to David Cameron, who's just been appointed after he lobbied on behalf of the Chinese to look at bricks. But, but actually, speaking of the government, so the new Home Secretary, James <clears throat> Cleverley, who we all totally believe wants to stop the boats and stop this problem, right? He actually served in the Royal Artillery. And really? so he what did told, he say about this? He told LBC Radio, we're absolutely determined to look at this. Oh, good. Well, I mean, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, you should all follow Ink Monocle so you can see yeah. firsthand because he goes down and films this stuff. Great guy. Yeah. So you can look at this yourselves. I would, I'm, I'm really keen for him to look at I'm really keen for the police to actually do their job. You know, yeah. when they're looking at it and oh. they're seeing it and they go, actually, do you know what? We probably better do our job. Well, you know what? They, they actually did see this and, and they said, <laughs> it's deeply disrespectful to climb on a war memorial, but there's no law making it illegal. Are you serious? No Bollocks. law. Are you Absolute serious? Absolute lie. There's no law. The, this, this, the Public Order Act. Yeah, this there's isn't no a public order offence. No, there's like, no there's no law, guys. You just Come signed on. the Police Crime and Sentencing Bill, which criminalises noisy and disruptive protests. Mad. What's that? You guys are just being discriminatory now. Yeah, there's it, no law. Chad, no. yes, thank you for noticing. <laughs> no, but look, what 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 absolute gaslighting yep. from the Met Police? Well, because that ratio as well, five point one thousand comments versus seven hundred ninety two. Which brainlets liked that as well? I want to know. And they say, in the absence of a law, officers cannot automatically arrest, but they can intervene and make it clear their behaviour isn't acceptable. We can ask them nicely to climb down. That's what they're seeing here. But doing just in not video. in the absence of a law. I just God. The, I think it's I, really, I think it's really important. Song. I was super excited to, 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 to when I knew when I knew the topics, guys. Is yeah. we've got to talk about this stuff, but it needs to be unpacked. All seriousness, it needs to be unpacked. This is about British values mm-hmm. and the possible. Dare I say it? Let's discuss the possible, is it possible there is an anti-British, anti-Western sentiment that's fueling this, this campaign, right? Can we, can we say that? I think yeah. we're is way it, is past it, saying that. Is, is, that, is that fair? I mean, <laughs> is that fair? You know, I think Preaching to the choir. Here, yeah, that, yeah, that's a horse we've beaten quite a lot. From, from the indoctrination that we've exposed in our universities, <laughs> from the front line against uh, radical gender theory and well, drag even, story hour. Even just on the tube, you, you personally were the account that popularized that video of the tube driver shouting over the tannoy, free Palestine, and got him suspended because he was violating his job as a tube driver. Like, yeah. if, that's, if, that, if daily life is permeated by those threats of violence because that tube was full of Hamas, pro-Hamas protesters and the one or two apolitical people were standing there going, I feel very uncomfortable. If that is the level of public intimidation, yeah, of course it's anti-British. I, I, I think this is very important. I think uh, two-tier policing is, is we, need to, we need to discuss it. And I think uh, these, 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 are quite, these are two very important topics is 
anti-Britishness mm. and uh, and far-left extremism, maybe two separate ones, and and two-tier policing. That's 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 what I want to get to the bottom of. Yeah. I want to understand that. So you mentioned about the tube. There was a chap uh, yesterday. He was going to a gig and he yelled out um, terrorist sympathisers. We got welcome that here, here in a moment, actually. Not welcome here. He was collared. He was questioned. I don't know what's happened. I actually know the guy. I actually, um, uh, I don't, I don't actually know what's happened. But, but this, this, this response from the Met, we are whenever, whenever it seems like the British public says do the right thing, the, yeah. the Met says we can't. Yeah. Right. Well, that means then that you are engaged with a mob, mm-hmm. and that you are scared. You are cucked. You are you you're you're not on the you're, you're you're not on the front foot. You're frightened. I think it's, I think it's also a bit worse than that though because. Um, you'll notice that the Met constantly are putting out English officers to patrol the English side and the British side of the protesting. And there was a clip that went around the other day um, where a Met police officer was saying to some English protesters, well, you see, we, there's just too many of them. We can't do anything. There's more of them, there's more of them yeah. than there are of us. When they were, yeah. they were veterans but, flying the Union Jack. But the, but the, the important part is in the, in the we and the us because what they're saying is we are yours, we belong to your group, we police you because we're your police, but they don't consider themselves to have the moral authority to police the pro-Palestine protesters in the same way because they're a foreign constituent. White guilt. Well, it's, it's not even white guilt. I mean, it is part, that is definitely going to be a part of it, but it's, it's more about where they feel they belong and who they feel they belong to. And they obviously don't feel they belong to the community that is protesting in favor of Palestine. And so they're like, well, I don't want to be accused of racism. It's just too awkward. It's just too awkward. Yeah, it's there are so many like just layers of factors. All of these, all the things you're saying, they're all layers of factors. But it's it's basically that's an outgroup that we don't belong to, so we're not really responsible for them. And that's d- why you have the emergence of a parallel policing system, and I think yeah. you can actually see that because Monocle was there ahead of the protesters, the vandals arriving, and he he says, well, actually, your officers were already there, so they let them climb on the monument. Yeah. They didn't discourage them or prevent them from doing it. They didn't defend this monument like they did the cenotaph because the cenotaph has become totemic as to how bad the optics yeah. are. And so they're just letting them run rampant and vandalize. But when they say there's no law, it's like, okay, but no law for them because they're not following our laws. Yes. But Tommy's guys have to follow our laws because they're part of us. And therefore they are patrolled under the Public Order Act. So I, I, I can I can see how easy it's gonna to be to jump between two tier policing and far left extremism because as you say it's it's oh, yeah. so overlapped. So in in the context of this this Met response, if 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 um if there is mistrust within law enforcement, that ends that ends badly. Oh yeah. That it's the Met have a moral duty to ensure impartiality for very obvious reasons. And I think we need every single person in this country needs to be having the, the very serious conversation that the, the, the police state uh, dynamic is very much on the cards and the two-tier policing within that, as you say, because of diversity, inclusion, equality, fear, and frankly, very weak leadership. Well, I'll go one That needs to be called out. I don't think the police can be impartial because neutrality is not a neutral value. Actually, you have to value neutrality and the rule of law in order to enforce it. And so I think you have two parallel value systems here or at least two and a half, of where you have the unholy alliance of radical Islamism enabled by the multiculturalism, diversity, equity, and inclusion doctrine of the left. And then you have classical British values where, yeah, we'll tolerate some eccentrics, but actually you assimilate to the, to the predominant culture. You're orderly, you're polite, you don't desecrate 
the graves of our ancestors on a big ask. <laughs> and so they're incompatible. So actually, the, the it's unreasonable, Connor. It's unreasonable. Av- average far right position. Yeah, it's unreasonable. basically the BMP. You sound I mean, like an extremist. <laughs> so the Met don't need to be impartial. They actually need to be wholly for British values, unapologetically yeah. so, and punish otherwise. The issue is they come out and continue to try and gaslight the public after we have the evidence of our own eyes provided by Ink Monocle, and they say for our audio listeners, most people would agree that to climb on or otherwise disrespect a war memorial is unacceptable. That is why our officers have made a, a ver- every effort to prevent it happening in recent days. Oh, yeah. Why? This evening, a breakaway group of pro-Palestinian processors were dispersed at High Park Corner and a number of them climbed on the Royal Artillery Memorial. While officers were on scene quickly, they were there beforehand, we regret that they were not there quickly That's enough quick. to prevent the protesters accessing the memorial. We know some online have asked why the protesters were not arrested. There is no law explicitly making it illegal to climb on a memorial, so officers cannot automatically arrest, but they can intervene to make sure the behavior isn't acceptable. The video shared online showing them do that. Right. Okay, great. There's no law specifically. Um, why was I nearly arrested then? Yeah, that's a great question, isn't it? Why was I nearly arrested? Because, because you're some a bad boy. Up. No, it's because you're English. Buy me a drink first. It's, um, it's because you're English. Yes. And therefore, the law because you're right wing, mate. Well, I trans. Well, he thought I was transgressing against one of their preferred uh, identity groups, which I wasn't. Um, he just overheard the word insidious and suppose it must have had too many syllables for penfold there. Yeah. But I was threatened with the Public Order Act for some very spurious terms. Why were they not threatened with public disorder when they were climbing on a war memorial on defacing public property? I know, because they're part of your preferred identity constituency and you want to appease them. Typical. It's not just that. They just don't think that they have the moral authority to impose British law on the minority communities. Yep. That's literally what it is. And so, like, I mean, like, in any other circumstance, like, <clears throat> hundreds of people would have been arrested mm. for this. Hundreds. If this was, like, you know, the football lads... Or climbing on top of any any anything anywhere in London, all of these people would have been clubbed to the ground and arrested. Mm. They would have been got, run through the system. They'd have criminal records forever, and quite rightly so. And yeah, and rightly so. But the police do not feel they have the moral authority to do that to this community, and they they fear the reaction of the community because the community does not accept the police's moral authority. Yes, and so the whole thing is an untenable s show. So so. What what Connor said filled me with dread, and because because it's pretty stark, harsh reality. You, the, I, I love what you're saying, Carl, about the uh, the moral authority. So we've got buffer zones, Bournemouth case, and and we've got the yes. um, the, um, the veteran. Sorry, forgive me, I forget. And his Isabel Warren Spruce, who's now been arrested three times for this. You've got obviously Caroline Farrow. You've got the the the, the veteran for praying silently yeah. it, within the buffer zone. Um, when I'm when we haven't we've parked radical gender theory because we turn our heads to other things, but when I'm Delivering and emceeing on the front line against Drag Story Hour UK, um, I'm the, the police are just waiting for me to say the wrong yeah. thing. They're just, they're just yeah. waiting, right? So the other the other day we're at the cenotaph, one of our uh, demonstrations of, of of defending the cenotaph, and at, at one point someone had the mic and called the opposing side uh, that they were the Nazis, right? And that's common sentiment. Right or wrong, it's true on the or false. Placards. Yeah, I was, I was going to say I've seen plenty of swastikas. You've seen the placard, yeah, so, so it's kind <laughs> we've, of fair, we've covered it. Yeah. It's kind of fair game, and the, the <laughs> gold the gold commander came straight over to the chat really? with the mic and said, "You call them Nazis again, you're getting arrested." Right, public okay. order, or, or, or you've hurt someone's feelings, or whatever yeah. Mickey Mouse stuff. So we know that this um, this this needs to be looked at very very carefully. This this what do you call it moral uh, oh, the, lack, the moral yeah the lack of moral authority moral of the moral authority it, it, the, the police don't have the moral authority to police the Muslim community. That's basically what they got hundreds of thousands. So following on, you have got hundreds of thousands coming out and a thousand police deployed each time. Yeah. So if you've got a hundred hundreds of thousands coming out and a thousand police, 
that's game over. Yeah. yeah, that doesn't work. Particularly when they're not wearing riot gear and they're only wearing riot gear for the Football Lads Alliance who yeah. just wanted to peacefully observe the two minutes. And then we see the pictures, of you, as you guys have seen, of the police uh, with the Palestinian flags and they're wearing yep. the masks and they're, 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 on, they're clearly on side with that Interestingly, agenda. no rainbow uh, um, mm, things on no the side. No trans riot shield yeah, that yeah. time. Isn't yeah. that funny? They take the yeah. rainbow badges off yeah, yeah, yeah. when they're dealing with that demographic yeah. and it's kind of like, please love me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Please love me. Well, they want to, but the thing is, they, they've got to kind of accept that they have to be considered essentially an occupying force to that community mm. if that community is going to be following our laws. Like they, that community isn't from Britain. They don't respect Britain's values. They've got their own legal system. They've got their own traditions. They've got their own moral system. And if we want them to be here, they have to understand well, the British law comes first. And therefore, the police will assert themselves if they have to. And you are not allowed to attack the police in that case. Now, that means, unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of unrest, should we say? And so the British police are afraid of that. What they want is peace at all costs, basically. And that means just capitulating to every demand made by this group. And if you capitulate to, I'm not sure what the percentages are. Is it fair to say that 85% is a majority and 15% a minority for the context of this conversation? Yep. Is, that, is that acceptable? Sure. Yep. So if you capitulate to the 15%, the 85% is going to get very upset with that. Because culture is everything. Yeah. Culture, culture first, economy second. So I don't see a way out of this. Going back to your to your moral argument, I don't see a way out of this. I see it getting worse and worse and worse in an already godforsaken time. Yeah. And that's why you, what you said filled me with dread. And when you when you backed it up, I really like that moral stuff. And it, it, that's might, a it great... might be unsalvageable as well because like it should have been on the <clears> first attempt. There was a short, sharp no, absolutely not, yeah. none of this. And then the second attempt, even harder. And then that would have smoothed it. And, the, and at least those people are going, right, okay, they're not going to tolerate this. this is, but this has been tolerated for years now. And so if there was to be a pushback from the police, there'd be uproar. And there's, there's precedent for it because as Suella Bradman linked in her initial tweet concerning the protest head of the Cenotaph, in 2011, they banned EDR marches. So it's yeah. not about their ability. They've even passed more punitive laws since. It's more about political will. And so what you're going to get with these parallel moral systems, I'll, I'll wrap up on this, is... A form of vigilantism. Now, this is benevolent because I think Monocle just went round after they left and cleaned yep. the place up. Good lad. Yeah, yeah. But you are going to get the community starting to police themselves. And yep. in we lieu of that, you're going to get instability at the top as well. And this is something that's been observed by the Met Police. So there was a Met Police insider that, that spoke to the Daily Mail. I believe Josh might cover this later on in the week, so we won't go through the article. But even he was saying, look, Swella Bravman's right. Internally, the College of Policing and all of the high brass are telling us to selectively police these protests because we don't want to kick something off. But yeah. we know that the English believe in police by consent so that we know they will acquiesce to our policing. Well, to be honest with you, everyone believes in policing by consent. It's just we have a particular definition of what consent means. Right? So you, you tolerate the police operating in your community. I mean, like, you know, in Islamic countries, they have police. You know, yeah, they, but they they, they, they respond they, to... They respond to... They have a different system by which they... By which consent is granted, right? So there's not just constant riots against Saudi police in Saudi Arabia. No, but that's right. because that's because they have a disproportionate application of force, whereas the sure. British police won't be as forceful. Yeah, no, absolutely, because we have different principles upon which yes. the consent is founded. We have actually a conscious kind of liberal view of consent, actually. Yeah. But other countries might enforce consent by oppression. You know, it's but the the point is, there's not constant riots and fighting against yes. authorities. Right? So. Yeah. There's always a form of consent that underpins policing, mm -hmm. even if it's not done in ways. What, what, what I would like to see is our, <clears throat> is our Muslim brothers and sisters 
understanding Marxism, understanding the SWP, understanding two-tier policing. I'd like to see those people, God bless them, and the imams saying, you do not go on statues. You do not desecrate. You do not behave like this. You do not have flags there. You do not say X, Y, Z, which I'm sure we're about to go through. Yeah. Actually, this is about prayer. This is about ceasefire. That's your right to freedom of speech here and uh, anti-British sentiment. I'd like to see that. And I'm not seeing it. I would really like, I'd like to see it on TikTok. I'd like, because I know the propaganda because I follow it. I know what's being pumped out to that demographic. And I would like to see those British Muslims stand up and say, yes, just, we have our views, family members, et cetera. So ceasefire, pray for peace. And maybe there's some uh, upset and some anger there. I completely understand that. But that is not the same thing as endorsing and standing with terrorist sympathizers, Nazi sympathizers, Hitler sympathizers, calling for armies of, uh, of, of Islam calling for jihad, going on our statues in, 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 in any way. That, that, and I'm not seeing that. And I want to see that from, 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 from patriotic Muslims in this country who love this country saying whether they're right or left or center, actually, we're part of that. We're not part of that. And I'm not seeing it being called out, not by anyone. Well, unfortunately, not to be uh, pessimistic, and I think we'll finish on this, uh, don't think you will anytime soon. And yep. I don't think without the Met stepping in and being more forceful in the application of the law as to respecting British monuments and British culture, that you'll get that. And God bless those people who are doing what I've just suggested. And I, I have seen it in, in, uh, in isolation and from individuals, but en masse, I'm not seeing it. You're asking them to be good neighbours and they're not being. With that. Speaking of good neighbours. Um... <laughs> Let's talk about the recent beef between Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. And this really focuses around Israel and Palestine. I think it also focuses around a fault line that's present within America. And that is yes. that uh, black Americans and Jews don't always get along. I'm not it's... sure that's necessarily it. Uh, I mean, well, that, that is a fault line, don't get me wrong. But um... I think part of it is which narrative has more moral weight. I don't know if this is necessarily Candace's motivation, but the people that are piling into this with various ethnic lenses looking at it, are thinking, has slavery got the more legitimate claim to be the founding myth of the current order, or has the Holocaust got more legitimacy? That, that is a discussion hmm. that is happening, but I don't actually think that's really what is the main confrontation between Candace Owens and Ben Shapiro. Because Candace Owens hasn't lent on that at all, actually. Because she's she famously sort of, she wants a victim mentality rather than a victim mentality, which actually I totally endorse. I think that's exactly the right way to think about these things. And actually, I think Candace Owens is approaching this more from the position of a mother right? because of what Israel is doing to Gaza in response to the October 7th Hamas massacre. Um, and Ben Shapiro has taken a very one-sided and a hardline stance on this, assuming that this would be an uncomplex moral issue, but actually it turns out it's not an uncomplex moral issue. And Candace Owens is kind of getting it in the neck from Ben because she's pointing that out. And she's also heavily pregnant at the moment. She is, but she's handling herself really well. Uh, so it's, you know, I don't want to say like, oh, hormones, because no, I'm not seeing any evidence of that. She's actually doing a great job. Um, but before we begin, go and check out our merch store, go and help us out, support us by buying some merch. And I designed all this merch myself and the Dirty Dirty Smear Merchant shirt is back. But my favorite one, I think, is the Marcus Aurelius one, which is if it's not right, don't do it. If it's not true, don't say it. Simple as. It's just that simple, right? And this actually is something you could say to Israel. If it's not right, don't do it. 
And so you won't have to continually have to try and fight a propaganda war in justification of what has already happened or what you plan to do in the future. Because frankly, I think that Israel is losing the propaganda war. And there's a good reason for that. It seems that a lot of what Israel is actually doing is not really very defensible. Now, I'm not anti-Israel. I'm not pro-Palestine. I'm not on either side of this argument, because as far as I'm concerned, these are two different peoples thousands of miles away whom I just have no relationship to. This is an ancient blood libel that England shouldn't have to deal with. Exactly. I'm an Englishman. We will deal with the fallout, though. Well, absolutely. Uh, But this is not really reconcilable at this point. That's the problem. And that's why Ben Shapiro and Candace Owens are going at each other. So let's just begin with uh, Ben Shapiro's position on things, shall we? It's very nuanced. Yeah. So Ben Shapiro hadn't tweeted anything after October the 7th, until this on October the 9th, which is just Hamas in the very near future is going to get a good solid understanding of this important chart. It's like, okay. Now that's true. Now, Hamas, yeah. yes, the issue is when Hamas embed themselves and put them yes. in hospitals, there will be sufficient and it, casualties. And there are lots of people who are saying, well, look, Hamas aren't, they're, they're using human shields. They're not prepared to come out and fight like men. It's like, well, obviously, like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in any way in favor of them, but what would you expect? They are essentially, I mean, they are a terrorist group who haven't got an army. You know, they're going to fight a guerrilla war, and guerrilla wars are fought in civilian populations because that's the only shield that a guerrilla army has. I think it's fair to say that our position is we would be happy if Hamas was eradicated tomorrow, yeah. but the means of doing so is not so well, simplistic because there will be children caught in the crossfire. You, 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 you have to, I, I, we can get into this later, but basically, you can't just bomb a guerrilla occupation of a civilian area without causing in. Uh, indescribable levels of collateral damage, it, which exactly. fuels the left and the social but media it, propaganda brigade. But further. it doesn't have to just fuel the left. Normal people <clears throat> will watch you bombing civilian areas and say, well, hang on a second. You know, that's not on, is it? Do you have the image of the guy on the sofa with the LGBT flag among the rubble? I do not have that image. <laughs> the Israeli government put it out on their Twitter account. Oh, yes, I did so see that, it. That kind of thing doesn't look a good. gay pride Israel flag flying in Gaza. It's like right. atop the rubble. It's yeah, like, atop the rubble. And it's like okay, that's not really what this is about. And lots of children have died. So actually, you know, posting stuff like this. I mean, Ben Shapiro knew what the sort of result would be because this was before Israel's invasion of Gaza. Uh, and unrepentant or unsympathetic is definitely one way to put it. Um, so uh, he then posted hashtag never again with a picture of Auschwitz. So I, at ARC, Ben was talking about the ethnic dimension of this conflict. And yeah. A Jewish man had asked him, why are there so many Jews protesting in favor of Palestine in New York and London? He said, they're not Jews. They might be Jews ethnically, but they're not Jews in practice. Yeah. And so I think Ben is seeing this very much through the lens of these are my my people, I know these people, I go to synagogue with these people, these are my family, these are my friends mm. out there. And so this is an existential war sure. for the people that I care about. And so that's why he's making yep. this comparison. And that's why he he is very emotional. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's wrong to be emotional over this. I'm not in any way saying Ben is not entitled hmm. to have very strong feelings on this. Yes. Right? Of course he will. He's a Jewish man. He's, of course, very, very concerned about the existence of Israel and understandably and rightfully so. But that isn't just a, a, a free, a blank check 
for anything to happen. Yep. And that's really what the case is. That's fair. But I'll just carry on. Just as you can see, just Ben being insanely hard line about these things. Uh, just constantly why I'm showing you Hamas's atrocities, how Hamas fooled the world. Hamas is here, the Hamas caucus. Uh, F the United Nations. Okay, well, I agree with that. Yeah, I do, but for different reasons. E the evils of queers for Palestine, stuff like this. So Ben has been just insanely hard line on the pro-Israel side, which is not a surprise and not news, right? So what did Candace Owens do? Well, Candace Owens, on the 3rd of November, so about a week or two afterwards, um, no, about a month afterwards, sorry, uh, tweeted, and this is after the Israel invasion of Gaza, uh, no government anywhere has a right to commit genocide ever. There is no justification for a genocide. I can't believe this even needs to be said or be considered the least bit controversial state. And this angered a lot of people. I can understand why, because there is a difference in the position that we've just laid out in saying that you need to be careful of collateral civilian damage yeah. in rooting out a proscribed terrorist group, yes. and a dictatorial terrorist group, and saying Israel trying to genocide the Palestinians as an ethnic group. Yes. But the point being, you can't just start bombing to kill. I mean, for the, the example of a refugee camp that was bombed to kill one Hamas operative. Um, you can do that, but you can't retain the moral high ground when you do that. Mm. That's the issue. It's not that it's physically impossible for Israel to say <clears throat> level a third of Gaza in a month, uh, but when you do that, you're not the good guy in the minds of the average person who is just seeing civilian casualties and collateral damage. Yeah. This is not a morally uncomplex issue that Ben has reduced it to. I mean, as far as we can tell, it seems that, as they say in here, 11,000 people, I think they quote. Yeah, 11,000 people, according to the Hamas-run Gaza Health. Okay, so then, so then obviously the stats are very suspect. Yes, the stats are very suspect, but it's entirely people that uh, entirely possible that thousands and thousands of people have died. I don't disbelieve that, given if you go up, there's exactly. a photo of the, of the state of one of the streets. Yeah, uh, exactly. Okay. You think that's not hundreds dead? Of course that's hundreds dead. Yeah. You know, there, are, there are various maps you can get up. Um, and so Candace Owens is taking, she's not anti-Israel, obviously. But what she's pointing out is that there are proportionate responses. So, of course, what Hamas did was a, a terrorist atrocity, and therefore the response should be against Hamas, not just a blanket attack on the city of Gaza itself. Now, I realize that I'm saying this in a very comfortable studio where I'm not in any danger, and I don't have to go and run the risk of urban fighting, which is the worst kind of fighting in the modern era. I don't think proportionality is the framing we should take as well. I've, I've seen Douglas say that, and I think he's, he's been okay. very good on the messaging. And it's saying, if you use the word proportionality, what you're implying is that essentially the Israelis should go in and use equivalent tactics to those that Hamas used on the I don't massacre. Think, I don't think that's what it implies. Um, the, I think the, the, you don't have to use the same tactics or do the same things at all, but you can't allow yourself to be seen and perceived to be belligerent and disproportionate in the number and scope of what you're doing because that's what's happening the the public in general i think is genuinely perceiving israel to be committing a genocide actually the, the issue of um i proportionality wise um <clears throat> in the face in the face of pure evil there is no proportionality so i i think i think i, I I, I, I don't. I understand. I understand the concept, yeah. but um, 
uh, I think the, the guerrilla warfare thing, I think it's, it's, it's unwinnable unless in guerrilla warfare like this, unless you level the site, you, you're not going to win it. Possibly. That's not said with, that's not said with, that, with, that, with, with an with, endorsement. It's just an observation. It's, it's not yeah, an I endorsement. It's a, I, again, I'm not a military strategist, but let, let's face facts. We're understanding guerrilla warfare as, as we know it from history, if you, if you want to win it, yes. you have to level it. That's Correct. why they tried napalming Vietnam. You can't win in the jungle. You can't yep. win in tunnels yep. in the desert. Here, if you level it, you eventually, yep. 6,000 in the, in the PLO, in the, in the, in the Hamas uh, resistance, as they would call it, yep. uh, you have to level it. So that, that's the first thing. And so, so I don't think that proportionality applies here. And I, I, so it, <clears throat> to them. Hang, hang, it definitely does apply because even if that is true from a purely Machiavellian military calculus, there is still the human dimension that, well, half of Gaza is under 18, right? You, so half of those casualties will be children and people don't really want indiscriminate bombing of children to get a one Hamas guerrilla, right? It, it, no matter how bad the Hamas guerrillas are, mm. you can't put the moral onus on the children that you're killing. Well, we can all agree on that. Uh, of, course. of course. And so just <clears throat> bombing the cities out will never be considered justified what are the options as what well, i mean what what, what i'm do not, we, I'm, I, I'm not saying i have options mm. right? i'm not saying i mean it seems to me it would have to be down to a, a literal ground invasion where it's hand-to-hand -hand going going back to this going back to what i'm very very versed I'm, in what candace has said and and, yeah, yeah. and and also what you're saying and uh for, for me the situation you know conflict in the middle east every you know since the 80s and i started to learn about this i'm just there going this is just awful. Oh yeah, I have oh, yeah. nothing to say. Oh yeah, my father had nothing to say. He yeah. just he, yeah. he said Northern and Southern Ireland, Middle East. Said stay out of it. Yeah, I, I have no. I, I, yeah. I, 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 there are no words. It is just awful. That's the thing. I'm not. I'm not trying to endorse or condemn either side. To be honest, <clears throat> I'm trying to point out what the public perception of this is. Do they? Right. Do they have to care about the public perception though as well? Because this is. This I is think that's where I'm. That's that's kind of the angle I'm coming from here with regards kind to the propaganda war in the age of social media. And I know that it's the end of of, of every arm, and it's there, yeah. and it's yeah. outrage culture. And I've seen the amount of women that are on the front it's line who are activists that. now. I think it's. What's the incentive structure for Israel itself to care about public perception when both sides of the U.S. House, for example, are still going to fund them anyway, no matter how many cities they bomb? Yeah, so but I don't. Hang, think, hang I don't on, think hang the, on. The view right. of proportionality matters to them. I uh, not in the short term, no, but in the long term, yes, because uh, there was a leaked. I, I should have got this actually leaked audio from Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL, right? That uh, I don't think was AI generated because it actually sounded very persuasive. Uh, of him saying, look, we've lost, it's not the left or right war we've lost, because obviously he hasn't. It's the generational war. Um, the Zoomers yeah. just don't care. That's right? true. And so in 20 years' time, Zoomers are not going to be voting for money and weapons to Israel. They're not going to be voting for it. They don't care. In fact, a lot of them don't like Israel, actually. But then neither so, party is not going to not fund Israel. Now, in the immediate, yes, that's correct. In a generation, I don't know if that holds true. I don't think that's I think what you're saying is that this is all tactically dangerous. And it's, I, and, it's, and not, I, it's not just about it being tactically dangerous because there is a moral weight being, in, a moral burden, debt being incurred by Israel through their actions right now. And that's what people generally are perceiving, whether the rightness or wrongness of their actions in the sort of immediate political sense is, you know, right or wrong. It, this is what people are noticing. Right. There are lots and, and you know, there are lots of people 
who are just normal. Like I was in a taxi the other day with this English taxi driver. I'm like, how's it going, man? And he literally just was like, yeah, I hate this. You know, this is pretty rough in Gaza, isn't it? I'm like, he doesn't know about anything. You know, he doesn't know about anything, really. He's just a taxi driver. But like, he's seen the news and he's like, oh, bombing kids. That's bad. Because it is bad, right? And the, 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 the people with the strong hand in this regard are clearly the Israelis. And the people with the weak hand in this regard are clearly the Palestinians. And a lot of people actually don't see Hamas as a thing that's being attacked. They see Palestine as a thing that's being attacked. And I think that the incredibly strident rhetoric from people like Netanyahu uh, and the various members of his cabinet have really not helped this because it does sound quite bad. And, oh, you're going to have to take millions of Gazan refugees, Europe. Yeah. It's like, no, you're going to have to not kill them, maybe. That does you know, that's an option, right? Somewhat. And so you, you see what I mean. And so I this, think therein lies the complex. I agree that that there, there's the complexity again. Yes. No, no, not totally abhorrent. No horse in the race. Wish it would stop. Yeah. It's never going to stop. I'm in favor of ceasefire. You know? Wish it would stop. Never going to stop. So that that side say, well, you're dealing with evil. So there is no, and and also in war there is no impartiality unless of course uh, proportionality yeah. unless of course you're actually there. And uh, the consequences of that, we all lose. We yes. all suffer, it, it, you know, uh, unavoidably and, uh, and to, our, to our grave detriment. So, But the point is, both sides see each other as an intransigent evil. They, they both see each other as an existential threat. There is no resolution to this. And so, yeah. None. Anyway, so Ben Shapiro uh, was not happy about Candace Owens' comments. And I guess we'll just listen to it because it's quite short. Um, Yes, the question. Uh, the, the question is about Candace Owens. I think her behavior during this administration. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, Candace Owens. I can't pause that. I think she's been absolutely disgraceful. I think that, I think that her, her faux sophistication on these particular issues has been ridiculous. It's not faux sophistication, it's ridiculous. Everybody can see the moves that she's making and the things that she's saying, and I find them disreputable. So you can get a more harsh condemnation, calling Candace Owens' concern for the loss of the lives of children faux sophistication, because Ben Shapiro has reduced the moral complexity of this to us good, then bad. And this is in the context of him owning Daily Wire. She technically yeah. works for him under his contract. And I will yeah. just say, we disagree plenty of times on Lotus Eaters. Oh, yeah. We've made debate segments behind the paywall. I have never stepped away from it, castigating my colleagues in moral terms yeah i would really hate attempt for them i would really hate it if we ended up in that position as well yeah. um, and so a lot of people are like well ben's kind of losing his mind over this and in a way i think he is um but anyway so candace Owens tweeted out this um two days ago Ooh. which is not i don't think this is a ter terrible take <laughs> it, blessed are the peacemakers for they should be called the children of god blessed are they who are Persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom. Well, okay, maybe this is a little bit bad, actually. Uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Christ yeah. is king. It, okay, so so it, yes, it's okay. encoded. It is, yes. Yeah. It's, it, you want it, look, when I read it, it, it it's totally coded. It is. Yeah. See, I read it, it last is. night, and I was like, "Oh, that's just the Bible." Quote. Yeah. It's, right. And then, right. I, but then, the, you know, then now you point out, yeah, actually, now you think about it, also, it's a little are, bit worse than. Uh... There are a couple of things in here. Yeah. Between the Christians, um, yeah. One, one of them, I find it ironic. Blessed are yay. That's just funny. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's literally. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, 
kind of, I don't know which translation she's using, but it's just funny. It's ironic. No one can serve two masters is insinuating dual loyalty, which is something that's going to get Shapiro's hackles up. Yes. And then the final line, and this is maybe a product of translation. I'm not accusing Candace of anything, but you cannot serve God and money. In some translations, it's mammon, as in an actual entity that describes greed. Yeah. But then to put the money translation there, I'm going to say unintentionally, um, Im- implies the ideas of the Jewish lobby funding it, which is... Possibly. Yes. So that's a very touchy subject. Yeah. Um, provocative, no doubt. Yes. She's made a move, and I'm sure you guys have observed over the last four or five weeks, the Christian right in America, um, I won't n- mention names, but they're, they're pro-Palestine. I mean, th- these are ridiculous terms because we just want it to stop. But they're pro-Palestine. Well, some are like the, the evangelicals are very pro-Israel, obviously. Yeah, there's there's some there's some who have thrown their lot in with the Christian nationalists who I would say are not actually Christian nationalists, they're just more ethno-nationalists, like Hinkle, who's come out of nowhere yes. and is just hammering on the Palestine stuff, not because he's honest, but just because he doesn't like Jews. That's it. So it's there's a there's there are it's complex. Entangled interests here, and some are using it as a smokescreen. And I think that this particular post makes Candace vulnerable to criticism, even though it is a very good verse. It gives her quite a solid defense, though, because what she's saying is, blessed are the peacemakers being the primary sort of thrust of this, as in, I would like to see peace between Israel and Gaza. So she's endorsing the ceasefire with this. Now, it's not there aren't blades in there that cut, as you point out, which there are, but overall, it's not a terrible sentiment to put across. I'm not trying to infer malintent. Of course, right. Um, Candice has put a foot in it once or twice uh, before uh, and so I can see that you know to be charitable she may have been like I'm going to tweet out the the peacemakers verse because who could who could object and not thinking hang on a second actually you know maybe after this but she didn't back down on any of this anyway Ben Shapiro replies to this yeah that's pathetic yeah he he could have texted her he, well, a, a, he could have kept this off social media, obviously, but he hasn't. So let's let's carry on with it as it is. But he, he could have engaged with this in a mature way in which he suggests that possibly Candace didn't really understand the implications of what she was saying, and he could have taken a much uh, more uh, high-minded view or he could say that um, if you feel that taking money from the Daily Wire somehow comes between you and God, by all means quit, which is him saying the Daily Wire endorses Israel and everything that Israel's going to do, and you being paid to also be at the Daily Wire, if that conflicts with your moral compass, then get out, mm-hmm. which is quite a silly thing to say, I would say. Again, if you, I mean, text that to her on WhatsApp or something, fine. Doing it publicly, not smart. Uh, the whole thing just seems unnecessary to me, to be honest with you. It's, yeah. it's I, again, it's it's all a bit bizarre. It's all in the Twitter sphere. It's 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 obviously really fueled by emotion. It's yeah. hugely so, and 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 you know, no one comes out a winner of this. This is what the Republicans yeah. need right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Their biggest media outlet tearing itself apart yeah. because it, in a public space, it can't be just, balanced on Israel. Yes, that's the problem. Right. And so Candace replies to this uh, directly saying, you've been acting unprofessional, emotionally unhinged for weeks now, and we have all had to sit back and allow it and have tried to exercise exceeding understanding for your raw emotion, 
but you cross a certain line when you come for scripture and read it in, yourself into it, I will not tolerate it. We have all also implies whispers around the Daily Wire, which is never good for a business. You don't want infighting among the employees. Most of the Daily Wire employees, the hosts, are Christians. Yes. Ben Shapiro is not a Christian. Uh, and Candace is leaning on that very heavily. And uh, I don't know why that's unavailable because that was a direct response to this, which you can see there. But as you can see, she's ratioing him. Locked quite, each other, are they? Not to my knowledge. Well, maybe I don't know, that, actually. That, that actually can happen. Right. Okay. I have no idea if. if Ben Shapiro has blocked her. But as you can see, she's ratioing quite heavily and uh, Ben Shapiro is not coming out the winner of this, which I'm sure is doing nothing for his emotional state. Mm. And then she retweeted it saying, you're utterly out of line suggesting I cannot quote biblical scripture. scripture. The Bible is not about you. Christ is king. Uh, and so this is quite serious, actually, because as Senovich, a lawyer, points out, um, Ben Shapiro has actually walked into murky legal territory. I think Ben Shapiro is also a lawyer. Or... He is. So Harvard Law. You would think he would know better. He also, the reason him and Crowder became friends is because he negotiated Crowder's prior contract, which is right. a little bit I didn't know. ironic. But uh, as Senator says, very publicly telling an employee to quit in order to avoid paying out a contract is almost certainly a constructive termination. Uh, if Candace's conditions at work change, this will be an easy win for her. Either fire her formally or recognize people disagree like an adult. Mm. Yes. And that's really, but I mean, Ben was obviously at a kind of like Jewish lunch or dinner or something like that with fellow. Jewish people are in his circles. University. Was it a university? Yeah. Right. But you know, he's obviously talking to a very friendly audience. Yes. Uh, and hmm. so not great, actually. Uh, Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA, uh, very reasonable mediation. I'm genuinely confused as so to why asking questions and quoting Bible verses about peace warrants are called to resign from the Daily Wire. There should be more room for the, in the conservative movement for disagreement. We can do better than this, which is a very like even-handed way of trying to... Let's be the peacemaker. Yeah, exactly, right? Well, very, very reasonable from TPUSA. It's just a shame about TPUK, isn't it? I mean, you're all nuts. Well, yeah, no, absolutely we are. We're unhinged. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, no, it's it's just, it's it's messy and it's it it's a distraction and it's unnecessary and it's kind of a bit Jew versus Christian-y. It is. And it's like, oh, we're going to do that as well, are we? As, as well as Arab-Israeli. I, we're tapped out on it. Oh, we, everybody wants peace. Come on. No one I, wants carpet bombing. Everyone wants peace. Well, actually, you know, Ben Shapiro is not so much on that side. And that's actually problematic. Part of the problem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, not going like, problematic. So, sorry, Ben. Actually, you can't just level all of Gaza. Like that, Israel is not actually allowed to just do that. You know, and so Candace actually has some firm moral ground to stand on here. Even if... Ben Shapiro and the sort of that wing of politics don't like it. Whether you agree or not, the public perception, and I think probably correct, is that actually Candace's original post that look, Israel doesn't have the unilateral right to just eradicate the people of Gaza. It's true. Oh, I you know, I agree. And this this just this all I'm hearing and seeing, this just further splinters the right. Yes. That's all it does. It's yes. more division. Yeah. And it's it's more division in time when we literally don't need it. But that right. That it means that the pro-Israel side of the argument have to admit that Israel can do something wrong. That's basically hmm. what the argument is. And, and Candace uh, went on Tucker Carlson's show uh, yesterday, in fact, although it's sort of been pre-recorded, and made just a series of very moderate and sensible points on this. It's very reasonable. I'll let you watch it in your own time. But um, but she points out the pro-Israel lobby is turning into a kind of Black Lives Matter style lobby where. 
it's polarized in one direction and unable to accept truths in another. And that's part of the issue. But I'll leave that there because it's a very sensitive thing. And I look forward to reading the comments. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be absolutely nothing controversial <laughs> said there at all. I, I, well, I, I, think, I think we were handling it with a bit of... We tech. will, because YouTube won't. <laughs> yeah, maybe. What a shame. Maybe. Oh, well. So, Carl, you don't have high opinions of the Zoomers. Not very high. Right. It's not... The, 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 my opinions of the Zoomers, it's not their fault that they are like they are. Right. What are they? Um, Shots fired. They're kind of isolated, disconnected, and it makes it turns them into a kind of people that haven't really existed before. I think, right? Um, and so, and it's hard to say what the consequences of that's going to be, but understanding themselves as part of a greater whole is definitely a problem for the Zoomers, and understanding why not having things is also a difficult thing. Okay. I'm going to run some defense of the Zoomers here, or at least half of them, because I think we're bifurcating into a salvageable camp and the children of the algorithm that are yeah. going to devour civilization. You're a, you're a millennial, aren't you? Late millennial. Okay. So we've got all if, of the if, generations. If it helps, I hate the millennials more than the Zoomers. And the Zoomers, I, I feel... Carl, we were getting along just <laughs> fine. The millennials are the problem. Uh, I, I, the, the well, the Gen are... X has raised both of us, so... Well, kind of, but the, the Gen X is a very um, unimpactful generation. We didn't set any. We didn't set any rules. Um, That's the problem. Yeah, I know that is the problem. And so the millennials set a bunch of rules that turned the Zoomers into what they are now. Um, I'm going to so, lay out my stool, right? Zs, X, uh, X, Y, Z, millennials, X, Y, Z. We can chat about it. The X is the, to blame for everything. And no, it's the boomers. It's right? the boomers. It's, it's honestly the boomers. Uh, yeah. The, no. the, X, <laughs> the, the the problem with the X's is that they accepted boomer framing on almost everything, but knew that there were problems with it. That's and why so, I say that. And so essentially checked out. Yeah. Um, so my, my generation is guilty of shirking duty, uh, but at least they didn't impose a terrible order that, like the millennials did. But I mean, you know, it's a consequences of having shirked the duty to be rule givers. It's like passing down generational curses and, and those yeah. that break them. Uh, they, they has, that, that's why I go with yeah. uh, that's why I go with XB. Yeah, obviously, the, that boom is completely understood. <laughs> you know, the, the boomers are kind of a consequence of the, the, the generation before them shirking their duty of um, making sure they understood they were if, of this place and time. Well, they did have a few wars to fight and they were slightly I'm not, thinner. So I'm not were... saying that there was no reason for it. Yeah. Well, if you want more on a effeminate left-wing exterior with a secret reactionary underbelly, you can subscribe to our website for as little as £5 a month and watch what might shock everyone that is my magnum opus, which is uh, actually the politics of Life is Strange, like Just my favourite game here. of all time. Uh, remember to use promo code BIRTHDAY because this is uh, our birthday week uh, to get 33% off for three months. Yes. So if you want to watch two hours of how the, the left-wing characters in it are walking red flags and the Baptist gun-toting veteran who's accused of being paranoid is right about everything, go and see me and Harry play dress-up. And Carl can spell my name Every right Everyone was really impressed with this, though. It's, it's done really well in the last 24 yeah. hours. And, and the, the thing is, we don't often do content that is heartwarming here just because the decay is palpable all around us. Yeah. This was a proper labor of love by me. So... You know, you can call me Cope if you like, but go indulge in my teenage girl taste. Anyway, there's been a recent survey out from the American Survey Center, and it has some interesting information as to the attitudes of Generation Z contrasted with all of the other generations. So there's some general demographic stats that, mm -hmm. so this is America, remember, but we are an American vassal state, so 
similarly applies. Half of Generation Z is white compared to 71% of boomers. So yep. large cultural and ethnic shifts. More than one in three Gen Z adults identifies as religiously unaffiliated, roughly twice as many as baby boomers. So they are deracinated from metaphysics. Gen Z adults are more than five times likely than baby boomers to identify as LGBTQ. That's 23% compared to yep. 17% of millennials and only 5% of boomers. Policy exchange and Stonewall numbers put them about one in four. Having left school, they have a non-heterosexual or non-typical gender identity. I think it might be worth adding, though, that a lot of them will consider, like half of them will say, I'm bisexual, yes. and then end up with the member of the opposite sex anyway. Yeah, well, so, the, the waiting here is very... they've ticked the fashion box before actually being heterosexual, as long as you've ticked yeah. that diversity box yeah. so that you're part of the crowd, <laughs> then you can crack I, on and carry Well, the waiting here is, yeah. is very telling because it's 31% of Gen Z men and only 16%... Of, uh, sorry, 31% of Gen Z women, only 16% of Gen Z men. Yeah. So that means that there's lots of women identifying as bisexual and then having male... We'll get yeah. Yes, yes. Um, really interesting stat. Less than half of Gen Z adults believe that being gay or lesbian is an innate quality. So there is a social component to that that cannot be questioned from both left and right. Hang on a second. Less than, say that again. Less than half believe it's an innate reality. Quality. Quality. So it's so a choice. The born this way argument yeah, that's is not gone. holding for Gen Z. Right. But we're so, talking about a generation where logic and reason no longer applies. Yeah, but well, it's not even that. It's, it, it's it, Well, this is, this is about... Um, the sort of postmodern influence on our identity construction, isn't it? Mm. Because the argument uh, against uh, the argument for gay rights was always, well, we're born this way, we can't help it, and they're right. poor. Yeah, and that, that's obviously the one I grew up with. Mm. But if if the postmoderns have been under undermining that and saying no, it's all about the freedom of the will and free choice mm. and acceptance it, and tolerance. Then, but if that's the case, well, then I can say no, I don't tolerate homosexuality, and you should just choose not to be gay, which you've told me you can do. Mm. So you're choosing to be oppressed. So I don't actually have to be very sympathetic to that. Which is why support. And there's a bar graph in here later. Support for gay marriage has gone down only among Zoomers in the last three years. Yeah, they can just choose not to be gay, according to the Zoomers. How verboten. Um, also, the interesting thing is, 31% of Zoomers report they've spent at least some of their teen years talking to a therapist. What are we doing to kids? Which is terrible in itself. I mean, like, you know. The 30%, you say? 31. Yeah. I can't, I, I'm genuinely skeptical about the concept of therapy. Having been through it, yes. I've they are less than useless. Not just because of the stresses on the system, but because of the approach they often take um, for certain things. It's very affirmative when it shouldn't be. Yeah. And for other things is, how do I say it? It doesn't get to the root of the issue, particularly for men who, rather than talking about their problems, need practical applications to work through their issues. But it's also just reinforcing the managerial left-wing paradigm. Yes. It's like, okay, everything is rationalistic at its bottom, yeah. and so at the very base of it. And so if you're having a problem with what modernity has done to you, yeah. go and talk to the therapist, and they will reinforce modernity and try and make you okay with it your in, your well-being is conditional on an institution that has been set up yeah. in response a managerial to the institution yes what one asterisk here so i heard this i was i was on campus the other day and i heard this exact same thing and I, my ears pricked up i heard it just recently and then i've heard it now here. so a couple of asterisks one it's about the type of therapy mm -hmm. relevant to the patient if you get that wrong the um, recipient will come away and discredit that therapy. Mm. Uh, you, you have condition of X, you need that correct therapy. And that in itself is a process. Mm. Um, and the other thing, of course, is the quality. 
So if you're referring to, I presume what you what you refer to is the amount of CBT that, and talk plus yes. that's available on the NHS. That is not the same as being in front of a private top draw brass top brass uh, therapist in whichever realm that specifically relates. So if you've got psychodynamic requirements and you're in CBT, you're nowhere near behavioral yet. And if you're the, if you're a learner, uh, so if you're someone who learns in a different capacity, you should be nowhere near psychodynamic, and you should very much be in behavioural. But again, talk plus CBT NHS, it is a it's over the phone mm. most of the time post pandemic. So it, there's a little bit to unpack there, but because I do hear this quite often because because of the uh, the climate and the culture with regards to the 31 percent and the depression, and the anxiety lends itself to all sorts of big conversations. But th- therapy is now being massively undermined and uh, denigrated. And I think, I think there's a few nuances there. Well, I'm sure that a session with Jordan Peterson is much better than anyone at the NHS. So it isn't that, that type the of discipline. Yeah, is... that, that'll, that'll do. You know? yeah. But yeah. I think if you just had these people in the woods chopping logs, yes. then that would be better than any kind of therapy. Yeah. Oh, no, that goes without that. saying. So base camp, base camp <laughs> level, of course, absolutely. Yeah. And crutches and excuses yeah, 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 and yeah, absent yeah. fathers and video games yeah. and social media, of yeah. course, same page. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's not an entire write-off, but uh, there's a deluge of mental health conditions affecting Gen Z. And it's no surprise this is affecting their relationship. So 41% of Gen Z adults never had a boyfriend or a girlfriend as a teenager. 69% of millennials, 76% of Gen X, and 78% of boomers did. So that's 40-odd percent of Gen Z who have not had a relationship while in high school. Yeah. So indicates maladaptive attachment styles somewhere along the civilizational chain. Gen Z men are more than twice as likely as baby boomer men to report they didn't have a significant other as a teenager, 44% versus 20%. 78% of Gen Z adults report they spent at least some of their teen years regularly hanging out with friends. 84% of millennials, 89% of Gen Xers, and 88% of boomers did. So that's 22% of Gen Z who had no friends growing up going to have seismic consequences. 24% of Gen Z said that over the past 12 months, they've often or always felt lonely. That's compared to 18% millennials, 12% of Gen Xers, and 7% of boomers. And so the introduction of social media here, paradoxically, seems to make people less connected. The boomers had to go out and yeah. do things. The root cause. Well, so did my generation, root, as you can see there. Right. The root cause of all this is, is, is um, screen time and socials. Yeah, probably. And, and, and mum and dad aren't disciplining their children in that regard. So smartphones from age eight, unacceptable. Yeah, and, and schools allowing them in, there still isn't a ban yet. That ban still hasn't happened. Unacceptable. Mm. So you're talking about if, if, if your phone, that, that's going to become your best friend, not to mention the addiction and the door, endorphins when somebody reached out to you and the accessibility of XYZ. And, and it's, you, it's absolutely screwed. It's a question of proximity as well. Because even if you have friends on the phone, they're nowhere near you in real life. No, it's nothing. You know, because I mean, when I was a, when I was a kid, you have to go out and knock people on people's doors. Hi, is Timmy coming out today? Yeah. You know, and that's actually a really wholesome thing. And if you agreed <laughs> to meet up at a certain time and someone yeah. didn't show, then that's it. Yeah. Seventy percent of communication out. is nonverbal. The yeah. tip of the yeah. tip of the spear. If you if you do everything remotely, it's the same when we all take pictures, or you know, like this, you're not even that isn't the same. You're focused there rather than actually looking at things. This, 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 this has massive consequences as we're seeing. And we know that even without the numbers in, in societal behavior. Yeah. Life of vicarious experiences makes you quite detached. Also speaking of vicarious experiences in terms of their work and life experiences, four in 10 Gen Z adults didn't have a job as a teenager. I mean, by protecting them from that, you're yeah. robbing them from formative. Like, I, I worked 
shit jobs, basically. Yeah. You know, I, I yeah, did same. loads of retail stuff. I was I, I stacked shelves. Yeah, I, I did a I did a lot of manual labor, which I actually really enjoyed. Yeah, that was probably fun. And that's that every man I said this at the XC University thing, and, and all the Zoomers in the room are just like, what? Every man should have a manual labor job. Yeah. If you don't have calloused hands, you shouldn't be speaking in the public arena. Yeah. But Zoomers are insulated from that. 70% of Gen Z adults say they occasionally worry about finding a job or career that's meaningful compared to 60% of millennials, 43% of Gen Xers, and 17% of boomers. So they feel disconnected from the kind of economy they're participating in. Wow. This is why I was defending that crying Zuma girl. She's absolutely right about the nine to five. Oh, yeah. More than half of Gen X adults, uh, so 60%, and millennials, 56, and Gen Xers, 52, say they worry at least sometimes about having enough money to pay their bills. But of course, 61% of boomers say, I'm all right. Of course they do. It's almost like there might be some kind of connection there as to why everyone except the boomers feels that they're broke. Almost like the boomers own the entire property market and are making us all rent serfs. But I'm not resentful in the slightest. It is really weird that the boomers don't care about their own grandchildren. though. Yeah, they sort of push them off really out of the world. Weird. They don't help them buy a house. Instead, they spend all of their pension and their their overhanging money from rent on a cruise. Yeah. Like, you are the ones that disconnected the family chain. It's frustrating. Um, hashtag not I knew all I was right. I knew I was right. Yeah. Yep. 32% of Gen Z adults report occasionally drinking alcohol or smoking. But only but 43% of millennials, 52% of Gen X, and 54% of boomers did. Yeah. So the decline in recreational vice consumption is they're actually not, they're not having fun. Yeah. And this is something I was going to tie to your Dan and AA segment that Dan decided to say about how to get laid. He just went, well, we'll go to the pub and chat up a girl. Right. When everyone at the pub is table service ordering, there are fewer people at the pub mm -hmm. and everyone has their phones on them at all times so they can immediately stare down at it. There's just like less eye contact being had. Yeah. There's less social lubricant happening. There's how many people have not started a relationship on the tube because they've not looked up from their phone? But the amount of marriages and things like that have just been cost because people are plugged in all the time. Throw in the, throw in the I hate men campaign, hashtag me too. You don't look at a woman just in case you end up on a right. charge. That's, They're better safe than sorry. And the, the irony of that is if you don't abide by that, you're probably more likely to be successful because there's a ton of Zoomers that are talking themselves out of ever approaching women because of that fear. Yeah. And again, like I've, I've dated abject nutcases. Those girls do actually exist out there, mm -hmm. but there is a dead hand hanging on the Zoomers' ability to pluck up the courage to start a relationship because they're petrified that if they approach a woman in a social context, never mind stranger in the street, that they're going to be hauled up in front of court or something. Well, all this, all this stuff is utterly heartbreaking. But one thing, when I knew about this topic, one thing I was thinking about to crystallize my thoughts are, if you've got um, whatever age range we're referring to, say 16 to 25, for example, yeah. or 18 to 30, if you've, if you've got a massive void of masculine men, yeah. be they alpha or type A personalities, if you've got a massive void of masculine men, that's going to very much upset and enrage the female populace, their counterparts. So they will turn their heads to other things like left-wing activism and being very, very angry at the world. Particularly and, if you're on birth control. And hating men as well. And, and I like to go to source, we all do. That, that being somewhat older, reflecting back how it was in the, um, in the 90s and the noughties, it's it, it beyond heartbreaking. If you have that void of masculinity, of get up and go, of and you mentioned several social constraints there that 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 prohibit men from doing that, etc. And also social paranoias and uh, tyrannical law laws and, and other such things that are just absolute nonsense. But that void is still going to be created within their female counterpart, mm -hmm. and it is going to make them very, very 
angry and they will use that very powerful energy in another direction, hence the screaming and shouting that we see. And everyone's now an activist and it's majorly female orientated. And I'd like to discuss that link. The the stats do reflect that actually. So 43% of Gen Z women identify as liberal compared to 35% of Gen Z men. We've already seen before that there's a massive split among 18-year-old men and women identifying as conservative. They're going completely opposite directions. So that means quite a few of the sexes either won't talk to each other or well, the women will just have to follow men's politics eventually if they if they want to. They're to, moving further to the left. The, the, the women, women are, are moving further to the left, left. Men are moving further. And that, that 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 presents all sorts of issues because that left wing and right wing typically doesn't produce harmonious outcomes. And left and um, left wing women probably don't want left wing men. They want right wing men. Yes, which is the elephant in the room, which I'd love to talk about. So that means that means um, exciting hookups, broken homes. That's what's going to happen. What, what, yeah, just one of one of many. Yeah, yeah. I, I keep, I, I keep looking at this. Drank alcohol and felt lonely or isolated. Uh, there's an interesting inversion here where it's basically the exact opposite. And I'm just thinking about it because, I mean, when I was a teenager, um, on like the weekends, you, I, I lived in Germany, so when you're 16, you can buy beer. Right? So it's actually possible to legally get hold of alcohol. Of course, you try and get if you know before you, you try and get someone who's a bit older to buy you some booze so you can go sit in the local park drink beer and be a prat with your friends in minecraft of course you never did anything illegal and this was just totally normal this is what you would do on the weekends with your mates right uh and then you try and sneak back in hopefully your parents would be in bed so you wouldn't crash around the house and they wouldn't be able to smell the booze right um and obviously we didn't feel lonely or isolated and i just fascinated by the inversion here you know 61 percent of Zoomers uh, feel lonely and isolated, and only 32% of them drank alcohol or smoked pot or cigarettes occasionally. I'm a bit worried about the pot thing, because you can smoke pot on your own, and it's not really a big deal. You can't really drink on your own. It's not very fun, actually, yeah. especially when you're a teenager. Uh, so there's a to include these in the same category, I think, is a bit strange, because they're not the same, actually. And the boomers didn't really smoke pot either. And also, it's only accessible on large scale in certain American states, where yeah. in certain countries it's... Yeah, yeah, and but the, the boomers, like I know that you know some of the oh, what about Woodstock and the hippies? It's like they were a pretty narrow band, actually. Yep. The boomers, um, most the average boomer will have gone to a pub when they're about sixteen, seventeen years old, uh, and they would have smoked cigarettes, but not pot. And in fact, in the in the boomer mindset, there's quite a prohibition against pot, even to this day. Uh, they they just reflexively don't like it. Mm. Um, but I, so, I think the sixty one, the the felt lonely or isolated yeah. often. When for the, for the Z, so at that at that time at that age, when I felt lonely, I went for a run. When I felt isolated, I started boxing. When I felt lonely, I lifted weights. When I felt isolated, I did push-ups. Yeah. Now I'm not I'm not saying that that's relevant. I'm not saying that people should be like me or that they they should be my mindset. But adapt and overcome. Yeah. So if you're feeling those things, you go out and you create. You put the fists up and I don't think that's happening. I think that it's depression therapy, medication, and yeah. yeah. It's, it's coping mechanisms rather than overcoming mechanisms. Yeah. So because I mean, like, really, like, if I felt lonely or isolated when I was a teenager, I'd just go over the street and knock for my mates and see what they were doing, and I'd go around and knock for a bunch of people, see what they were doing, and then you know, a couple of them would come out or whatever, and then you're not lonely and isolated. But obviously, the Zoomers just don't seem to do that. They don't have those options. Well, one factor is seventy percent of Gen Z adults use social media daily. Yeah. Fifty-five percent. 
uh, sorry, 67% of millennials, 59% of Gen Xs, and 51% of boomers, and 75% of Gen Z women are using it daily, multiple yeah. times a day. They, they don't. Well. The, the stuff you're talking about, obviously, I grew up exactly the same. They, they don't want to knock on the door and yeah. do the interaction Ooh. and play in the street. And they don't want that. They want the endorphin hit yeah. of the little red circle with the little white number. Yeah. Uh, nothing else will do. Oh, I'm, I'm totally in favor of literally banning mobile phones for under 16. Phone-free childhood. Like, I mean, maybe like Nokia no, style. You can have the flip yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. we all had. You can have the yeah. Nokia flip. So you can flip. send a text message, meet me at where I'm safe, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, even playing Snake is too far. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree actually. Yeah. You know, like it, maybe Snake because it's not really that interesting. No, hardline card. I'm happy to go for the hardline. That is hardline. Right? But the point is, yeah, a communication device so you can be like, yeah, I'm safe or I'm getting the taxi or whatever it is. Yeah, 15, 16 years old. But uh, an iPhone, smartphones, no, absolutely not. Under 16. No. Yeah, under 16 is no smartphones. You know, I would be definitely on board with that. And that's the only way we can sort this out. I think so. And that's where the bifurcation will emerge further as well because you will have kids that are raised in healthy, happy, socially stable environments versus yeah. the children of the algorithm. And you're seeing this bifurcation emerge. And this is the last stat I'll read from this before I'll just briefly move on. 61% of Gen Z women are feminists compared to 43% of Gen Z men. It's an 18% gap. Mm. So we're seeing the bivalent Propaganda. start to emerge. Well, sure, but it's like the consequences are manifest in their classrooms, in their media, and the men being slightly more disagreeable and having less social capital to earn with flexible identities mean that they're moving away from that. And this results politically in this fascinating study that Onward did late last year. And this is between 2010 and 2018. And so they looked at social attitudes, both how they feel about themselves and how they feel about politics. So they said the share of 16 to 24 year olds, this is pre lockdown, recording symptoms of depression or anxiety rose by 40% from 18 to 25%. This rise was among young women specifically, whose rates of depression or anxiety rose from 21.7% in 2010 to 31.3% in 2018, a 44% increase over the period obviously to do with social media, right? It's incontestable. Yep. The fascinating one is from pages 20 to 21 in the report about their political attitudes. There are two strains of political thought among Generation Z. This is the chart for net support for different forms of governance by age. Now, the boomers are very in favor of democracy because yeah. they believe in... Yeah, yeah the, the boomers. Industry. Look at the 18 to 24 range. 50% of them want to put the experts in charge. Yeah. Right. So that's what my friend Mary has said. Um, the post-democracy swarm of net zero yeah, yeah. students. The, the, the technocrats. Trust the science. Exactly. But then close on their heels, strong men who can ignore parliament and the army. So since 1999, military rule among 18 to 24-year-olds has risen fivefold from 7 to 44%. Support for a strongman leader has more than doubled from 25% to 60%. So there is a contingent of basically Franco was right. Why would we want Zoomers. the woke army in charge? General Milley. Yeah, they're not like, saying the woke army. And this is the but that's what they're going to well. get. Uh, is, I mean, we're still a woke army. Partly RAF, yeah. But what they're hoping for is not that. Yeah, I guess so. They're thinking the platonic British army. It's not just the RAF. It's everywhere. Yeah, It's, yeah. it's everywhere. But they're, but they're thinking... Um, they're thinking Michael Caine in Zulu. Yeah, this stat yeah. is. I'm still trying to process that stat. I'm. Uh, this is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like net support for under thirties for putting a strong man who can import <laughs> for a dictator. Yes. Yeah. Forty-seven <laughs> percent army rule, sixty-two percent strong man leaders who can ignore parliament. That was specifically in the question. So, Gen Z overwhelmingly voting in favour of absolute monarchy. Yeah. If only it weren't Charles. What? What? A, what a shame. And and so. 
I just wanted to round that off with. Yes, you might disparage the Zoomers for some of their culture. Turns out there's a large contingent that probably watch us that keep coming up to us at events who can be fixed. I'm not sure putting a dictator in charge is fixing it, actually. Only in the Hoppian sense. I'm just saying it's an experiment that England's run before and it wasn't great. Yeah, but he was a Protestant. I mean, he was definitely something. Um, all anyway. I'm saying is the Zoomers are sympathetic. The, re- the reality is, is that this is all a test. It's a test for every, all of the four generations in existence right now. It's a test, right? So when we're on campus, when we're talking to, to men and women, this is all a test. Anyone, anyone at any point who has agency and free will can say, no, this is, uh, we have a crisis of identity in the West. We have it in the UK. This isn't about principles. It's about groups. It's about mob mentality and mob behavior. It's the grievance brigade. It's the victimhood brigade. And it is the oppressor oppressed narrative, which has been along the lines of critical race theory, white supremacy, and all this other absolute nonsense. At any point, any one of those individuals, parents included, can say no more. And that individual might consider themselves inherently conservative, for example. No more. I'm not putting it. And, I'm, and, and lose friends is part of life. Yeah. I've deliberately let go of lots of people over the years because they became toxic or because they added no value whatsoever. And also it can be very uh, uh, mind-numbing because actually they're, they're, you're, you're, it's just legacy stuff. It's just routine. It's just habit. So I will say this. There's, to your point, there, there's lots of good people out there, Zoomers. And it's their job to stand up and do the right thing. And that means sacrifice. That means getting rid of X, Y, Z, whoever, et cetera, and doing the right thing. And it's also a massive test as well. And then everyone's watching that because you can't just say, well, that generation because of smartphones, they're out. And that's unacceptable. Yeah, no, of course. They have to fight back. They have to. Duty first, happiness second. A man's duty has got nothing to do with happiness. Do what your heart tells you. It's all absolute rubbish. So let, let's, let's pray and let's hope for the Zoomers to actually be more like guys like Connor and other guys. Yeah. Uh, that the, the, we government, know. the government could certainly help by simply just legislating against smartphones for children as well. Like government we do with, do al- a lot. Like we do with alcohol and cigarettes. We've got a massive bra- bravery deficit in the UK. Yeah. We've got a massive testosterone and, uh, and, uh, and masculinity deficit in the UK. But that can all be turned around if yeah. men say, I see what's happening here. I'm not having anything to do with it and I'm, I'm, I'm going to make moves with... There's all sorts of organizations and all sorts of ways they can get involved to fight back against, whether you call it woke, communism, Marxism, far-left extremism, call it what you want. So you're being watched. Nick for king. Right, anyway, I'm ready to go. The, do, you want, do, you want, do you want to read comments? comments? Uh, so we're not going to have that much time for comments, I'm afraid, folks, so, but I'll try and get a cram few in. Bleach Demon says, the Cenotaph incident is the clearest example of the absolute indifference that the government has of the English. If the police don't step up and use the same amount of force lesbian nana uses, <laughs> things will only get worse. And that's exactly the point. They'll never lesbian nana the Muslim community. Um, <laughs> Hello, Lotus is out of context. <laughs> uh, hey, well, am I wrong? Uh, it's Matt, the walk, though, the lesbian nana walk. Yeah, I know. That, that hunched over walk. Uh, Matt says, the Met Police are under Sadiq Khan's control. I can't for the life of me think of an attribute Sadiq Khan might possess that could possibly predispose him to treat pro-Palestine Muslim protesters preferentially. Yeah, what could that be? Um, Let's go on to uh, Unbreakable, Lit- Unbreakable Litany says, as a thought exercise, if we campaign for the banning of halal under an expansion of animal rights law, will these people leave or willingly condemn their souls to eternity? That's uh, also a merry strategy for banning the pill that is actually turning the frogs gay. So ban it on environmental grounds. Uh, yeah, but that's, uh, nobody cares about We can that, try. Um, uh, Mason says, hard disagree with your position on Israel here. Uh, it's not really my position on Israel. I'm trying to be descriptive, not normative. Um, but 
They have done far more than any other force to reduce civilian casualties. That's true. A massive difference between trying to attack a terrorist, hiding behind a civilian, and raping a mother while baking that mother's baby alive. You couldn't kill the Nazis without killing Germans. I'm not saying that's not the case. Uh, I'm saying there's a proportional difference between Hamas and the Nazis. And whether you like it or not, the public perception is that Israel has gone too far. Mm. So it's, again... That's, that's the discourse around bombing Japan, for example. It's it's that, yes, the Japanese army were evil should should the civilians have suffered. That's 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 why you have these kinds of debates. I'm not looking to open up can of worms, but that's yeah. what we were trying to say. But the, 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 the capacity of either thing is different as well. Mm. Hamas are a terrorist group who occupy a very small strip of land with very minimal resources. Japan is an empire. So, you know. Uh, as Desert Rat says, personally, I think they both need to sit down like grown-ups and hash it out. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, what else are you writing for Father Christmas for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best, best of luck with that one. Um, uh, Kobe says when the media calls me a Nazi they are dirty dirty smell merchants when the media calls Israel genocidal that puts a moral onus on Israel uh, Alexander says Shapiro attacking Owens for tweeting tweet quoting the New Testament should be a full on mask off moment to his Christian fan base Shapiro is scum I don't think he's scum I think no, that's not the word to use I think I think yeah. he's incorrect both theologically and politically I think he's very wrapped up in the tribal nature of the conflict yes that's the problem and he's become very emotional because the moral certainty he's taking in that tribal nature is coming under question again whether you agree with me or not i'm just describing what i'm seeing in front of me and it's not just a morally pure issue that israel is always in the right and palestinians or hamas are always in the wrong because there are people on both sides and you can see that a lot of people are actually hamas is always in the well wrong. no hamas yes yeah, but, but palestinians yeah the the territory occupied by Hamas, you know, is not that there are people in there who have moral claims as well, not the terrorists. Yes. Um, and they are something that has to be considered. And I'm not saying that Israel is not has not shown restraint in the past as well. It has. It's shown a lot more restraint than other places. But at the end of the day, I'm just trying to tell like look, the whole thing is based on public perception of what's happening. And Israel is losing the propaganda war. I really think this. I see this all the time. So, you know, whether you, whether you, you can make an argument either way, but the, the, the facts are the facts, as far as I can see them. Uh, Grant says, women without children will find another way to be mothers, whether they or not they have children. Uh, well, that's the thing. Candace has children, and she's pregnant at the moment. So it's not, oh, no, that's the Zuma thing. Yeah. Um, sorry. But that, that does connect to the Palestinian thing, actually. It does, yeah. Absolutely, it does. Like, you see a lot of young left-wing women complaining and when they when they decide to be mothers all to all of society you get a feminized society and the absolute rot we're seeing today yeah we end, long house. i was gonna say and when you combine that with the sort of digital surveillance we always live under you end up with the worst kind of longhouse I, I i want to do a thing on McLuhan at some point which is the global village which is the internet and the longhouse at the center of the global village yeah alex says i was explaining to my boomer parents grandparents how as zoomers are the first generation to become more authoritarian and less liberal and more extreme and how bifurcated we are Centrism is anathema to the Zuma sensibilities. Yep. I think no, no. I think I think it's not just that. It's the problem of freedom is it's actually not an absolute value, yep. and the only thing we've had after defeating the Nazis is freedom. And so more and more and more and more freedom is always good. But actually, the Zoomers are suffering from an excess of freedom, and the problem is they need order and structure, and that's why they look at dictators who provide order and structure, if nothing else, and say, "Oh, I could have done with some of that when I was young." 
or he decided to walk through Sussex University, aka a Marxist state, yeah. with uh, with the um, CCP communist flag. This was um, two years ago, almost to the day, and we were applauded. We were applauded. That's a, if you've been on campus of Sussex, it's quite a long walk through. I mean, it's a little yeah. circle, a little bubble. It's quite a long walk through. Applauded. Happy days. Yeah. We would say things like a uh, hundred million dead and they'd all laugh and cheer and, you know, whatever. Yeah. We walked through with the GB flag and police were called within five minutes. <laughs> now that video is on Turning Point UK's YouTube and it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not too far. You'll be able to find it. Well, I was going to say, actually, yeah, um, as we're wrapping up, where can people find your stuff, mate? Yeah, sure. Well, obviously, across social media. So on on Instagram and Twitter, it's T Point, obviously at T Point, and on YouTube, it's Turning Point UK. Uh, obviously, website's Turning Point UK. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, we, people need to get behind us and they need to support us, e- even if it's just a, a small a small contribution, uh, and or get in touch with us because they've got a specific skill set. But I can't tell you how invaluable that is when people do do that. Brilliant. Well, cheers for coming back in, Nick. And you will be back with us in 25 minutes with Sebastian Gorka, who's waiting very patiently. He's dressed very dapperly outside the outside the room. Um, again, if you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to subscribe because then you can watch it live and also put comments in. That's in 25 minutes. But until next time, tomorrow, one o'clock. Thanks, gents. Take care and goodbye.